Today we're going to start maybe for a week or two or three or four, I will find out, about God's will for your life. And, um, but it may be a little bit different because I know sometimes when we talk about this subject and God's will for our life, uh, you know, people look at the big event, so to speak, you know, like, oh, I'm going to become a trillionaire. I'm going to do this for God. I'm going to do this. And they look beyond the present to something they're supposed to do, that that's the will of God. And that like if they get there, then everything's good. And now I'm doing the will of God. Amen. But people think like that. They do. And maybe it's because that's the way we've been taught. And so we think doing the will of God is finding out this big thing he wants you to do and then do it. Right? And nobody's ever thought like that. And then, then people say this, I don't even know what God wants me to do and I'm supposed to do his will and I'm going to give an account for it. <laughs> That's even tougher, you know? And so now we're waiting to do this thing and when will we do it? And are we missing God's will the whole time? Or is that just maybe partially wrong thinking? Nobody wants to answer that. Could that be some wrong thinking? Maybe some right, but some wrong thinking in that. You know, because we, we talk about, you know, God's will for people. But is God's will designated only for a future time for your life? And then you're doing God's will. And so right now, maybe you're not. But, you know, when you do that thing, then you're doing his will. Now, this may not be for everybody in the sense that people thinking, one day when I do this big thing, then I'm doing God's will for my life. And then I've really hit, hit the spot, hit the place. Is that really how we do God's will. And, and it's interesting because I think a lot of times people think that when we get to this place, we're doing God's will. When I get to this place where we as a group get to this place, we're doing God's will. I think there is something uh, about that, meaning, you know, when we get there, we'll be doing God's will. But what about right now? And, and how do we get to that place, so to speak? And so don't think this, that God's will is some big action sometime that you're going to take. You with me? Don't think that. It's just when I do this big thing, then I'm going to be doing God's will. Because then you could miss the whole thing. Turn to Colossians, the third chapter. Because we do emphasize, you know, knowing God's will. But I wonder if knowing God's will takes on an a idea of its own for every individual, meaning what it looks like. You know, some people, what I teach today, they're going to go, yeah, that's how I looked at the will of God. Other people are going to be, you know, that big event mentality that when we do the big event, we're really doing God's will then. And really, the will of God should be being accomplished every day of your life. Every day of your life. See, but then what some people do is go, oh, well, I'm not doing the thing I'm supposed to be doing. 
because they're looking at that big event and they're maybe missed something here in the Bible. So Colossians, the third chapter, and we'll read this verse in the 23rd verse, and it says, and whatever you do, so how many things? Whatever you do, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Whatever you do, that's a good question. Whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not to men. The, the next verse says, knowing that, that from the Lord we will receive the reward of the inheritance, for we serve the Lord Christ. So he said, whatever you do, you got to do it as unto the Lord. Well, then let me say this. Is that the will of God that whatever you do, whether it's working, whether it's serving in church, whether it's whatever, you're to do it as unto the Lord. Now let me ask you this, does the rest of the world live life like that? Or do whatever they do, do they do it as for themselves, unto themselves, for their own betterment? Well, then that would mean they're not doing God's will, they're doing their own will. They're self-willed people. And so really doing God's will is more of a uh, way of life than just an activity. Let me say that again. Doing God's will is more of a way of life, an attitude, than it is just a activity. Like, we're doing whatever we're doing right now, but in a little bit, we're going to be doing the will of God. Because, you know, people that have that event mentality miss out on the fact that we could be doing the will of God all the time. And what is the will of God? Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. So in all reality, then that would mean one of the underlying issues to walking in God's will and hear this big time is to be not selfish. Is to live a non-selfish life. To do God's will, you're going to have to live a non-selfish life. That's important. Isn't it interesting that one of the commandments that's given to Christians is, and the main one of the church is to love one another, and one of the definitions that's in love is love is not self-seeking. So if we're going to do God's will, we can't just have the mentality of, I do life all the time the way I want to until I do that big event, which is the will of God. No, the will of God is actually learning to live a certain way that God calls all Christians to live. In other words, you may be a construction worker, a nurse, an electrician, whatever it is. Whatever you do, there's a way to do it in a God way or a way that is God's will. And so if you will, turn, this is a familiar verse, but there's, just because it's familiar doesn't mean we know it all, right? 
So turn to Romans, the 12th chapter, probably uh, for church people, a very familiar verse. Romans 12. But, you know, Paul made an interesting statement when he wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 8. He, he said this, if anyone thinks he knows anything, he knows it not as he ought to know it. If we get a I know everything mentality, we close ourselves off from learning and getting stuff revealed to us. Why? Because I already know. That attitude is, I, I already know. I, I already know. So what can you teach me? Because I already know. So what we need to understand is, you may know something, but that doesn't mean you know it like you ought to know it. Even if you think you have a good handle on it. And so that being said, this is one of those familiar verses but uh, that, that are read quite often, but it talks about the will of God. And what I find is there's a couple of interesting statements uh, that will help us as we move forward in knowing God's will for our life and how we are to conduct ourselves. Romans 12.1 says this, I beseech or I beg you or implore you, uh, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. So he starts off, saying, by God's mercy, I'm saying this, and I want you to do this. This is not about God's judgment. This is about God's goodness. His willingness to be a forgiving God, and non, you know, just you're done for, you've messed up God. He's not like that. He will forgive. He will show mercy. And he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Because you start reading this, and uh, you're going to find out, maybe I haven't always done the will of God. But he said, I beg you by the mercies of God, you do this. In other words, God's willing to forgive, willing to wash away anything. But he said, I beseech or beg you or implore you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, notice this, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So what is the will of God for you? It's for you to do something with your body on a regular basis. What is it that you are to do with your body? You are to yield or what you do with your body is to be honorable before the Lord. In other words, that is the will of God, that you do something with your body and it be honorable whatever you do with your body. When? All the time. And this is about God's will. And notice this. And do not be conformed to this world. Now, what is he saying here when he said, and do not be conformed to this world? He's basically saying the people of this world and the way of the world is not the way of the believer. So we're talking about God's will. This is an underlying factor to the Christian life. Don't do life in God like the world is doing life. That's important. 
because he said, don't be conformed to this world. Don't take on the shape of this world. We're talking about God's will. If you want to do God's will, no matter what you do, whether it's a doctor, whether, I mean, it doesn't, if you're a preacher, it doesn't matter what you do. I mean, a construction worker, a housewife, he said, don't take on the form of this world or don't be conformed to this world. Really, if you ever want to accomplish God's will, these are things you have to do with your life. And in doing them, you will do God's will. You with me? Because if I am not conformed to this world or shaped like the world, and they just do what they want to, they don't consult the Lord about their daily life, about what He would want them to do, how He would want them to treat people. They say things like, well, they've been mean to me, I'm going to be mean to them. They didn't treat me right, so I'm not going to treat them right. They're bitter to me, I'm going to be bitter to them. Whatever it is, that means that is not God's will. And so for me to live in God's will is to not be conformed to this world. And when we look at these words, it's interesting. He said, and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Notice he uses the word conformed and transformed. Both of them have the word formed in it. God's will for our life is not to be formed like the world, but to be formed or shaped a different way. So if I want to walk in God's will, then really how I walk in God's will is to not live like the world. And how many of you know a lot more of the world is living like the world? And more people are being shaped a certain way. And I've said this before, those words conform and transform, you know, are mean something. When it says conform, that's probably one of the better ways I think to say it is like when you have something and if you have a sheet and you lay it over the top of this speaker down here, then it will conform. It comes together to take on a form. And when we use the word transform, we know that word, the tran part, because of society today. Transgender, transsexual, trans whatever. We talk about transcontinental flights. You know, what does that mean? The word trans is to go over, to come from one place over to another. And when you are being conformed, you are being pressed and shaped into the mold of something. And God's will is that you be not conformed to this world. But be transformed. In other words, trans is to come away or come over to another. And come over to this new form. And it's interesting in the chapter, it talks about being conformed to the image of Christ. 
So we're not to be pressured and conformed to the world, but we're to be transformed so that we can be conformed to the image of Christ. And what did Jesus do with his life? He was an exceptional person at loving. He was exceptional at obeying God and putting God first. If you think about it, if you would just do that with your life as you progress along, if there is a big activity that God wants you to do, and you're used to doing that and used to following the Lord, you'll just kind of work your way right into that big activity. You with me? But this really is the underlying thing. And it's so interesting because this is a command to everybody. And, and notice what it says. Don't be conformed to this world, the world way, the world's people. But he said, but be transformed by the renewing the making new again of your mind, that you may prove or know what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. In other words, people are not going to know God's will properly without renewing their mind as a believer. In other words, if I will study the Bible and I will look at the Bible and see what's in the Bible for myself, God is going to be dealing with me about stuff. What's cool is God will personally get involved and start revealing things to you. If you will just read your Bible yourself, he'll challenge you. He'll give what we call in the Bible or what the Bible calls revelation. He will reveal things. He will get personal with you. You'll be reading along, and all of a sudden you'll see a verse that says, forgive one another, and you'll go, I need to let that go concerning this person. And you'll know it inside. It will be revealed to you, and then you have a choice to believe it and act on it. But then you could be reading along, and he'll say, be faithful. Now, you could have read that a bunch of times, and you've just not been a real faithful person for years. Well, thank God for God's mercy, but you've been a Christian, but you start reading and all of a sudden it starts getting revealed to you that a Christian is a faithful person. They're a consistent person. And so that's good to know because then I can believe what I am now beginning to see as I read the Bible and he will personally get involved with you to make stuff come alive to you if you will read his word. And what happens is your mind begins to change. You begin to see life totally different. Here's the thing. You could be a Christian and not know what his perfect will is. So you could have been unfaithful and thought, I just love the Lord. He's just so good. But until you start looking for yourself and then all of a sudden you go, wow, a Christian is faithful. Then you start knowing, well, what I have been doing maybe hasn't been that good. And a better way to live would be to be more faithful then what am I doing? I'm being transformed by God as I'm reading the Bible. And now I'm starting to know what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. I'm starting to know that this is good. What I have been doing 
is acceptable. God accepts it. He accepts the fact that there will be people that go to hell, but that's not his perfect will. But he accepts some things. If you notice, he said, you, when you do this, you start to know what is good, his acceptable, and his perfect will is. In other words, there are levels to the things that he permits, allows, wants. And so when we read here, he said, when you renew your mind as you study the Bible and you allow God to be your teacher, because he will open this book up to anybody who's saved who will read it. Anybody. He will, and he'll begin to deal with you out of it. And so I'm just using, for example, faithfulness. But you think about that. Is it God's will for you to be not a faithful person in marriage? No. In life, in business, in church affairs? No. But, you know, what if the rest of the world is unfaithful and not faithful? Well, then we, maybe we lived our whole life being that way. We didn't think anything of it. We got saved and we went, wow, God loves us. He loves me. And you really know it. And that's good to know. And you know your sins are forgiven. But you've maybe progressed along and now you're starting to renew your mind and study. And then you're starting to find out, hey, wait a minute. I need to be faithful. And so what is finally happening is you're starting to find what is his good and his perfect will. He accepts some things, but he desires people to walk in his good and acceptable will. I don't always do this, but the word acceptable or actually good literally means to be desired or approved of. When we do God's will do his good will, it's something desired or approved of. In other words, what does God approve of? What does he desire? How does he desire that I live on a daily basis? It's interesting, there's a word there that's good, and then there's a word that's perfect, his perfect will. It's interesting, the definition, one of the definitions in the dictionary is this, having all the required and desirable elements, qualities, and characteristics as good as possible to be. So not only is it's good, his perfect will is as good as it can be. Well, I can live a life like that. You can live a life like that if we'll renew our mind because we'll start to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And what happens when we start knowing God's will, what is God's will for you? You could say it like this, his will for every one of us, in a general sense, is the same. You with me? In a general sense, his will for all of us is exactly the same. Now, there might be specific other things beyond the general will that we will do like work in certain areas in the church or do certain things like that. But his underlying will that he's talking about here is universal for all believers. 
It's universal for all believers. And so that's why I said we have to be careful not to think of a big event and realize it's more about our life and our lifestyle. Really, it's really His will is for us to live like believers, not like the world. That's really what it comes down to. And this is not a message about rules. It's really a message of transformation to become what you really are created in Christ. Notice this in 1 Corinthians. It, he wrote, Paul wrote this letter to this church, and this church had supernatural things happening. They were just, man, they had it going on, so to speak. But they had a lot of junk going on, too. And Paul didn't say, well, let me tell you something. God's mad at all of you right now. And you better straighten it up. Now, there were some people who wouldn't repent. And he said, he did use some sharp words. But he had mercy. And God has mercy with people as they're growing and want to move forward with him. And, uh, but what does it look like to be a Christian but not being transformed? not coming over and walking into God's will. And I think he put these things here for several reasons. One, you could identify where you're at. I mean, isn't it good when you're driving to eventually, you know, especially on a road trip, have a sign that says 10 miles, 20 miles, 100 miles from your desk? Isn't that nice? <laughs> I mean, I've... I've driven before and just thought it'd be nice to see a sign, any sign, you know, so on a long trip. I'm, uh, okay, this is where I'm at. And, and so in God, he will put some things like this in here so you can know where you're at, what you're doing, and so on. And so here in uh, 1 Corinthians 3.1, Paul was writing to them. Now, in the context, he already told them everything is already yours in Christ. He wasn't trying to lay the heat on them, you know, and bear some, throw some big load on them. He said, all things are yours in Christ. He said, you come behind in no spiritual gift. These were people who had wild services, you know, with God. Things were happening. But he said, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people. So God's will is for us to be spiritual people as Christians. That's really what we're talking about. What is it to be a spiritual person? That's really what it is to do God's will. Because becoming a spiritual person really is the life of learning to love, learning to walk with God, learning to be led by God, learning to know truth and and just how to conduct ourselves in this world like he would have us conduct ourselves, really grow in him. And so he said, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal people. What he was saying with the word carnal, we get our word, you know, carn, carne, meat, flesh. He's basically saying, I had to speak to you as carm, carnal people. And then he defines what a carnal person is. He said, a babe. In Christ, he didn't say you're not his. He said you are his. He just showed where we were at in our development with him. 
He said, I fed you with milk. And this is, remember, to renew our mind and to really grow with God, we've got to feed on the Bible. And he'll teach us. He said, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for you were not able to bear it or to receive it. And even now you're still not able. Now he's going to tell you why you're not able to get more in your walk with God. He said, for you are still carnal or flesh ruled. Now he's going to describe what it looks like. He said, for where there are envy, where there is envy, why do they have that position? Why do they get to do that? Where there's envy, I want to do that. Why, why them? Where there is envy. Now what's he describing? People who are not spiritual, but really are saved. But he said, notice, envy and strife. And divisions. Among you. Notice he didn't say in the world. He said among us. He said, and this is not an extensive list, but it is some things. Envy, strife, divisions among you. Are you not carnal or flesh-ruled and behaving like mere men? That's the statement right there. To be spiritual or to act like a mere man? God's will for us is not to conduct ourselves like mere men. What would mere, mere men do? Man, if you just look at the world, look at TV, look at what they're wanting... It's so opposed to what God would want for us to be moral, to live an acceptable life, to live a life where we just don't pay everybody back evil for evil. And, well, I'm just going to hold this against them for a while. I'm going to teach them. You're not teaching them if you're a Christian. You're hurting yourself. You're walking like a mere man. In other words, you're not walking like a spiritual person. And what the Lord's trying to say here is if we want to walk in God's will, we've got to come out of Walking in the natural, walking like the rest of the world does. And when he uses this word carnal, we, we might say it like this. However you feel right at the moment. You know, they hurt my feelings. To grow is to grow past those things. Where we go, oh yeah, they said something bad about me. Okay. And recognize who we're serving and that because we're serving him, we are to live as his children. You with me? And we're not to live like the rest of the people that are out there. And um, why? Why is it? Because I said this earlier, this is not about rules. Turn to Matthew 5. We're going to read two sets of scriptures, I believe. But Matthew 5, um, we are called to live like his children. That is God's will for you. 
But here's, here's the thing. If you just attempt to live like God's child, you may struggle with doing it. That's why he said you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You need to come over to a new way of thinking. That's going to come as you study the Bible. As you look in the book and you feed on the book and you talk to the Lord about the things you're seeing in the book. Because this is really walking in God's will. God's will for you is to not live like somebody else's kid, but to live like his kid. Why do you raise your kids like you raise your kids? Because you want them to act like somebody else or you? Why does God try to raise us? Because he wants you to act like his kid, not somebody else's kid, right? Now, maybe some parents are thinking, oh, I don't raise my kids to act like me. I raise them to act like somebody else. Well, we should change us so that it would be a good example, right? Oh, I don't raise them to act like me. Uh-uh, no. But isn't that true? We really teach our kids many times what we know. That's why transformation in our own lives is super important. And ultimately, there are just two families in the earth. Whether we like it or not, Jesus said there are two families. He told the religious people who didn't know God, he said, you're of your father the devil, and his works you will do. Mere men act like the devil. They live selfish. They live self-motivated. They're not looking to God. Their own God is themselves, And whatever fulfills them, that's what they're going to do. They don't look to God to see what would be pleasing to Him, what He would desire for them, and how He would want them to conduct themselves. Because has God ever challenged you to do something that was uh, maybe not what you felt like. And so in order to fulfill God's will, you have to go according to His direction and the new nature you have in the Lord and do it apart from feelings. That is being spiritual. That is being spiritual. Notice this in verse 43 of Matthew 5. Jesus is talking about being not like a mere man, not like the world, not like everybody else. He's teaching us to actually be like our God, our dad, our father in the faith, so to speak. In other words, who we're born of, God. Notice verse 33. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's awesome. But there's verse 44. But I say to you, love your enemies and bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those or spit on those who spitefully use you. No. Spitefully use you and persecute you. 
But doesn't your body, your carnal side, sometimes want to spit on somebody? No, nobody here. No, we all have the same body. I said, we all have the same kind of body. Paul said it this way. He said, I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. What was he saying? There's a part of me that wants to do good, and there's a part of me I have to keep under. And what is it that's supposed to control my body? This new life I have in Christ. And the only way I'm going to be able to identify and really do it the way I should is to renew my mind and find out who I am, what I have in the Lord after I gave my life to Him. And He'll work with me on this. But notice he said, verse 45, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For He makes His Son, S-U-N, to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Notice he told us, don't just give evil and wrong back to people who do wrong to you. He basically said, we should be kind to all people. That doesn't mean we accept what they do. I can be kind, you know, all this transgender this and everything. We shouldn't go out and just say, we hate transgender. Well, we should say, then we hate people who smoke marijuana. We hate people who cuss. We hate people who do this. No, we should love people, but recognize that if they're lost, they're not even of the family of God. Our issue is to share the love of God so they can get saved. And then if they're saved, they can be transformed in any area by renewing their mind and presenting their bodies. And they can walk in the full freedom because when they receive the Lord, they receive life and the answer. And so the issue is this. Notice this. He told us not to return evil for evil and do certain things when bad is done to us. Notice he tells us we're to be like God, and he does that very thing too. Notice verse 45, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for He makes. Remember, don't be conformed to this world and act like them. Don't walk like mere men because they have envy and strife and they return things. You'll find yourself outside the will of God. He didn't say you'd find yourself outside of God. He called them just babes. He didn't say you were no longer loved by God. He just said you're living in a way that is not God's will. And notice, he said that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his reign, or I'm sorry, his son. Isn't it interesting? People say, well, all this stuff just came into being. But God doesn't go, well, I'm blotting it out for them. They ain't getting no son. I'll teach them. They're just talking bad about him, saying we all came from monkeys and everything else. You may have, but I didn't. Though some people probably think I have. But the fact of the matter is we were created. And it doesn't matter what people say about it, God still blesses humanity 
even in their state where they're at by causing the sun to rise. And he set it into motion knowing years ago that people would act like this toward him. Knowing. And notice he said that you may be sons of your father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good. Well, we should just treat people good who treat us good, and we should treat people bad who treat us bad. Uh, no, this is where you become a distinguished person in the Lord. This is where you start to stand out. Because remember, he said, you walk like a mere man, you have envy, you have strife, you do the things that everybody else does in the world. But the thing that will distinguish you, Jesus said it like this, if you keep my commandment of love, then people will know you're my disciples, which means a self-disciplined one. So to really walk in love, you have to walk according to the new nature you have in Christ and not live according to how you feel. Oh, but you know, it feels good when you don't feel so good. So what do you mean by that? When your body goes, oh, I want to say something, and you go, no, we're not saying something. That may hurt and not feel so good, but it'll make you feel good, so to speak, inside. And notice this. He said that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. What's he saying? He's just basically saying, God does this stuff all day and has been doing this stuff all day long. So listen, let's be like God. Does God accept sin in people and just go, oh, you can just act how you want to? No, that's why he sent Jesus, to destroy sin and to deal with sin. You with me? So that, this doesn't mean we just accept sin, but in the face of knowing how people are and knowing the way they act, he tells us, act like God acted. Acted and does act. And here's the thing, he acts this way to you. And so we need to realize we can act this way to the world. What am I talking about today? Knowing God's will for you. This is God's will for you. You ever had a waiter do you wrong? There went their tip. You ever had somebody do something? I just about have a mind to do to say something. You know, they're just they're about to get it. I'm not saying you can't confront something and say something, but I've done this before. Um, I'll tip the people regardless and be kind, and not three percent, four, four percent. No. <laughs> 15. I always give 15 at the minimum. That's if they're bad. And I don't mean bad because they're having a hard day. They just, and not because they're new and they don't know how to do it. They're neglectful. But I won't say anything to them. 
But the whole thing is, is this, I'm still going to treat them kindly and right. You ever eaten something and bit your tongue? That hurts, doesn't it? Well, maybe when you're leaving them, you may have to bite your tongue and on purpose. And it may hurt. But you may need to bite your tongue. Notice this. For if you love those who love you, and isn't that easy? Isn't it easy to... It's just easy. Everybody loves me. It is so nice to me. He said, if you love... Those who love you, what reward have you? Ye. You don't get a reward for that. The Bible said he who would love life and see good he would love life, see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. Notice if you want to see good days, he said, What reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? Tax collectors were not real popular back then. Some things have not changed. (laughs) And if you greet your brethren only, in other words, the people who are nice to you, what do you do more than others? In other words, than mere men. What do we do more than mere men And we're talking about God's will. So you think about it. We could all make some adjustments in this area. We could come back next week and just have the same haircut or the different haircut, whatever, but be more in God's will. Sit in the same seat doing not the big event, but doing this. We'd be more in God's will. You know, people talk about being in the center of God's will is the best place to be. I wonder if that's why there's so much pressure in some of these areas that just seem so simple because if, if, if pressure and circumstances and the enemy can get you to bend and get out of this area of the will of God, it, it reflects something different to the world. You're still God's child. You're still His person. You're still, you know, beloved by Him but the reflection to the world and where you stand concerning His will is not what it should be when you live outside of this. You with me? This is exciting, isn't it? Because we all want to do God's will. This is super simple, but this is not about an event. It's about our life, which is made up of a lot of events. Notice verse 47, and if you greet your brethren only, in other words, you know, the ones who are nice to you only, what do you do more than others? Do not even tax collectors do this? Why does he keep bringing up tax collectors? Because they were not popular. They were normally crooked. They were. They were crooked. They would take more. Remember when Zacchaeus... He wasn't a baker. He was a tax collector. And when God moved in his life that day when Jesus came to his house, he said, I repent, and I'm going to pay back all these people I was crooked toward. He 
So he's using these terms of a tax collector knowing they're crooked and they're not the way that you need to be. And he said, and if you greet your brethren, what do you do more than others? Do not even tax collectors do this. We're just doing exactly what the most crooked people do if we only do good to the people who do good to us. Now, I know some people want to get up and run and shout right now and go, glory to God, and dance but if you, in the spirit, but just if you'll hold back until I finish. <laughs> this will make you want to run. He said, what do you do more than tax collectors? In other words, he's not wanting us to just do what those types of people do. He said, therefore, you shall be perfect. What does that mean? Perfect. It literally means mature. You shall be, therefore, you shall be perfect or mature just as your Father in heaven is perfect. What's he saying? He's saying, do like God does, just don't do evil back to everybody who does evil to you. Be a forgiver, be kind, be patient, be loving. Put God first. The world does not do that. Right? They don't. They'll cut you off and then flip you off. Well, <laughs> wait till I get next to them. You might be driving up next to a tax collector and didn't even know it when you were about to. Don't, don't, we don't got to do what they do. But the way we're going to come away from it is to know what is his good and his perfect will. And it's not just an issue of knowing, it's being transformed by the renewing of your mind. God wants you not just to move your actions. He, he wants that. But rem, hear what I'm saying in closing. God doesn't want you just to change your actions. He wants you to change your mind. He wants to change how you think so it's in line with who you really are as his child. It's not just change your actions. It's change your mind, the way you think, because that's how you're going to know his will.